So let's turn to our reading, shall we, which is Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. James, why don't you come up? Let's just pray for you before you share with us. It's good to have you with us. It's good to be here. Father, thank you for James. Thank you for the work of IJM. We pray now as we reflect on those verses and on this theme of justice that you would open our minds, our hearts, to what is on your heart. Make us receptive, Lord, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. You. Still got my Mars bar. Um, men, feel free to. Am I am I good? Am I, am I still good? Can you hear that? Excellent. Men, feel free to eat your Mars bars. I won't be offended. That's what they're there for. Um, thank you so much for inviting me to come and speak to you on behalf of IJM this morning. My name is James. Um, as, uh, as Andy mentioned earlier, uh, we knew each other at university many moons ago. Um, and haven't seen each other for a while, so it's a pleasure to see Andy, and it's also great to be here. Um, I live quite locally. I'm just the other side of the river in Battersea, uh, where my wife is a vicar at St. Michael's, uh, Wandsworth Common. Uh, by trade, I'm a barrister. Um, by calling, I'm a husband and a father. I've got four children. Um, age between 14 and 7 at the moment, although they keep changing. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm going to talk to you today about speaking out for justice. It's a relatively brief reading that we've had. Let's just, oh, look at this. This is brilliant. It's all working. Um, and uh, normally a speaker should give you three points, but there's only two today. Um, I hope you'll be okay with that. Um, but the two points we're going to look at are, first of all, how do we speak for the voiceless? And second, how do we do justice? And I want to begin by suggesting that the answer to both of those questions comes out of something that's very profound and central to our faith in God through Christ. It comes from something that it is the very heart of our faith within the mystery of the Trinity, something that is a necessary expression of our faith every day of our lives. It's something that was there at the beginning of creation, something at the foundation of the story of God in the world. It's the basis of all that Jesus was and did and said. It is our highest calling in our lives and will be at the heart of eternity with God. And that thing is relationship. Relationship is at the very heart of the universe. God, our Father, Jesus Christ, his Son, and the Holy Spirit were in perfect, wholly sufficient relationship before creation began. They brought about creation. The world itself, the universe, is an expression of their relationship, and they are the very life energy that sustains that relationship. Humanity, people, us, were created to be in relationship with God. 
walking with God in the Garden of Eden, that perfect place before sin entered the world. After the fall, the entire story of mankind is one of God's relationship, sending his son, Jesus Christ, to demonstrate his love for us, to draw us back to himself through his suffering and his sacrifice. The resurrection itself, a triumph of relationship over separation, and the gift of the Holy Spirit to the church ensures God's presence with us in relationship until Christ comes again. But what on earth has that got to do with speaking out for justice? Well, neither speaking out nor doing justice can take place except in the context of relationships. Let's look first at speaking out. We cannot speak out for those with whom we have no relationship. Of course, we can recite their cause. Of course, we can repeat their words. We can even tell their stories. But each of those activities will lack a vital element unless there's something deeper. Unless we walk with those for whom we speak in their suffering. Unless we have compassion. Compassion meaning to suffer with. Unless we know them. Unless we relate to them. Unless we love them as Christ loves us then any attempt that we make to speak up for them risks being a resounding gong. Now, you might say that's setting the bar pretty high. Perhaps you'll say, I'm setting it too high. Because surely you should be able to speak up for someone for whom you feel compassion, even though you don't know them. You should be able to speak up for groups of people that you have never met, but whose situation cries out to you. You should be able to speak out for causes that are too distant for you to have any relationship with those directly involved, but which you feel strongly about and want to help. Now, I understand that. And before you think that I'm saying you can't speak up, for those people, consider this, which is a quote I found whilst preparing for this talk. Sometimes, when we're trying to be a voice for those who are suffering, we end up speaking not for them, but over them, shouting our own view without really stopping to listen to their experiences. We need to listen first. And that's really what I'm saying. Speaking up for someone is a position of great responsibility. Uh, I do it every day as a barrister. And I fear the day that I take that responsibility too lightly. I frequently tell my clients that in order to speak up for them in court, I need to understand the area of their lives that is being considered by the court even better than they know it themselves. If I'm to advocate effectively for them, I have to put myself in their shoes. I have to see things from their perspective. I have to understand their hopes, their fears, their wishes, their feelings, as well as having all the relevant facts at my fingertips. 
that is indeed a high bar. But I look to achieve it in every case I do, and when I don't, I fear that my ability to bring about justice is compromised. And although this bar is high, it is not too high. We can set ourselves the high target of speaking up for others with integrity, with love, with understanding, and with compassion, and with sympathy. And there are many examples in the Bible of people who did just that. Moses, Nehemiah, Esther, to name but a few. It will be a matter for each of us in our conscience to decide how much we need to know a person to speak up for them. But I urge us all not to dismiss that need to know them first. And this is something that we do at International Justice Mission, a charity which you as a church have wonderfully and faithfully supported for so many years. And the first thing I want to say, and if you remember nothing else, please hear an enormous thank you for what you do. Your relationship with IJM, in particular your relationship with the office in Uganda, is immensely valued and important. And we, I, and speaking on behalf of the people who Uganda, the Uganda office serve, they are immensely grateful. Thank you. IJM, as you probably know, seeks justice for victims of violent injustice all around the world. The vision is to rescue thousands, to protect millions, and prove that justice is available and possible for the poor. We do that by taking on individual cases and walking with our clients to seek justice with them. This means walking with them out of brick kilns, where they've been enslaved, out of rice mills, out of brothels, out of cybersex cafes, out of situations of domestic violence, gang violence, out of prisons where they have been wrongly held, and out of the bush where they've been wrongly chased when their land was stolen. It means walking with them to places of safety, maybe hospital, maybe a police station, maybe a court, a government office, and we hope to a place that they can eventually know and call their home. Journeys take days, weeks, months, in fact, years. IJM worked, walked first with one person, then another, then another, and in the 25 years that IJM has been around, has walked with now thousands of people on long and challenging journeys through successes, setbacks, triumphs, failures along the way. We remain relentlessly committed to never going away, never giving up on those relationships. We're committed to those we serve and we do not leave until we have got justice. We're in relationship with the people we serve. And it's the understanding that we have as a result of first one and then a few and now thousands of relationships that we have gained a level of understanding of the problems in their particular situation. So in Uganda, the office where you serve, we have done now hundreds of cases of land grabbing 
And we understand the big problem, but we don't have to guess what it's like. We don't have to theorize. We don't have to sit in a book and, and try and work it out. We know because we have walked with hundreds of women, widows, whose land has been stolen. And we understand what it means. We understand the challenges that they have. Challenges personally, challenges institutionally. What are the problems that they come up against when they seek justice? And the same is true of, uh, of sex trafficking, of bonded labor, of police abuse, and whatever is the particular area that IJM deals with in various places around the world. We speak out of experience, out of relationship, the lives of those we have known. And so we are in relationship with a number of wonderful people. And these are some of the clients who your support, frankly, your cash, but also your prayer is supporting. Our staff in Uganda know these people. They love them and they are walking with them on a journey towards justice. We get to know each person, each family, their story, their hopes, their dreams, but we know their weaknesses, their failings, just as Christ does. And yet, we walk with them unconditionally and relentlessly. We also have to be in relationship with those with whom we work. Now here is a picture of um, one of the aftercare workers on the right, and this is Lucy. Um, she comes from Great Britain, and she is a fellow, an aftercare fellow, working out in the Uganda office. And again, your support means she can be there. It also means that we have to work with people who deliver justice. And so here is uh, an amazing ceremony in which IJM signed a memorandum of understanding with the government of Uganda, which enabled us to work in partnership with their um, justice system to help so that we could bring our expertise gained from relationships through them to improve the systems that deliver justice in that country. What we are learning in IJM and constantly learning is that our voice is so much more powerful and more effective when it's speaking out of relationships for those whom we serve. We've learned to amplify their story instead of making it our story, to give a platform to their story. Now I want to have a little look at how relationships are key, not just to speaking out, but to actually doing justice. Justice itself is all about relationships. Now, whether you study the jurisprudential theory of rights, as I did way back in the day when I was at university at the same time as Andy, or whether you simply close your eyes and imagine the absolute absurdity of doing justice on your own in a desert island, either way, you will reach the same inevitable conclusion that justice only has meaning in the context of human relationships. You'll also reach the conclusion that justice is meaningless unless you actually do justice. It can't just be written about, thought about, or imagined. 
It has to do with human relationships. It has to do with the regulation of power in human relationships and the standard that we need to apply to regulate those relationships to do justice, well, it is nothing short of the perfect standard set by God himself. Exemplified by the command, love our neighbors as ourselves. So when we respond to the biblical mandate to do justice, and if you were to either on an electronic version of the Bible or to buy a justice Bible, which you can actually get, I've seen one, and it highlights every passage where the commands of justice are there, and you would be surprised how much turns yellow when you take out a highlighter and do that. It's an amazing characteristic at the very heart of God this idea of justice and doing justice. So in responding to that, our first task is to identify the power in the relationship and where it's going wrong. Now the power might be physical. One person exercising their physical power over another. It might be political, it might be financial, it might be social, it might be psychological. With a violent oppressor, it's often pretty straightforward and obvious one person misusing their physical power against another. And in fact, the Uganda office that you support has taken on a second area of work, so not just the land grabbing that I know nearly all of you are familiar with from previous talks from IJM, but they're now looking at a particular area that they have become aware through the relationships with people they're working with in the land grabbing, uh, on the land grabbing issue, that there's an issue of domestic violence and intimate partner violence that is prevalent in Gulu, the area of North Uganda where one of the offices is. The challenge is that victims and perpetrators obviously come from the same household. There's a culture of silence, there's a culture of acceptance. And so we need to work to transform that cultural acceptance as well as to bring about justice for individuals. Now, um, I think we've got a bit of a problem with the next slide, which was meant to be a message personally for you from Lucy, who is the IJM fellow in Uganda. Um, because the sound has all gone a bit rubbish, I'm just going to tell you what she says. But she really wanted to speak to you, and she prepared this for you, just to let you know how important your relationship is. They know you as a church. You're not just somebody who puts some money in a pot and it all gets anonymized. They know you and they are grateful. And Lucy recorded this message. And what she says is, first of all, thank you. Thank you for enabling her to be there. Thank you for enabling her to support people who are the victims of land grabbing. But she also wanted to let you know about this new casework that's being done this new work with, um, with domestic violence. And she told me, and this was recorded about three weeks ago, that there are 10 cases that they are investigating in this area, and two of them were coming to a point of, of significance. And what Lucy uh, would have said is, please pray for those cases. And what she also said was, just before I give this talk today, so this was three weeks ago, one of those cases will have come to court. And she would have told you um, that we really need your prayer for that. Well, fortunately, on Friday, I got a text telling me what happened in that case, and I'm going to tell you what that said. Hot off the press. For the first time ever, 
IJM achieved a conviction in a case of domestic violence in Gulu, Uganda. The woman in this case, and she's been given a, a different name, um, which is what we do in IJM, just to, sh to give her respect and dignity. The woman in this case, Akello, had endured abuse for 10 years of her marriage. On multiple occasions, she sought help through mediation, but she never felt she could leave the situation because she was dependent on her husband to feed and send their two young children to school. It was a particularly violent attack in March, which finally pushed her to try something different. And she approached IJM to help her bring legal charges against her husband. After being arrested and spending a week in prison, he pleaded guilty and was convicted of assault occasioning actual bodily harm and assault occasioning grievous bodily harm. This conviction proves that it is possible to hold a perpetrator to account for domestic violence in Gulu. It's a first. In the midst of everything, our focus remains on Akello, on her well-being and her wishes for her family. Our aftercare team is helping her with a small business that will give her greater independence and the ability to support her children. You have played a part in that. Your support, your prayer, is simply changing the landscape for victims of domestic violence in North Uganda. It sends a shiver down my spine to tell you that, and I hope it does you too. It is, it's immense, it resounds in eternity that you are changing things. Thank you. Meanwhile, the other area which uh, they uh, work on in Uganda, the one that you know a little bit more about, land grabbing, still looks a little bit like that. You may not know what that is, that's the land registry in northern Uganda. It is quite simply a room with stacks and stacks of files which purports to record the ownership of land. Now, you, you won't be able to see this from here, but I expanded the image on my computer earlier just to see what on earth's going on. And One of the yellow tags in the middle at the back says 1998. So those are the cases that were registered in 98. And if you want to find a case in which the land was registered that year, you can dig around in the, the middle bit of that whole thing. So as you can see, it's quite a disorganized uh, setup. What does doing justice look like there? Well, let's begin with God. God is justice. Let's begin on our knees before him, as I know you do in relationship with him. We submit ourselves to his call to do justice. We ask for his heart of justice and his guidance. He fights for justice around the world every day. He knows what that land registry looks like. He calls upon those, wherever they are, who are ready and willing to serve him to be instruments of his justice. And he is calling right now for somebody somewhere in the world who knows how to build a land registry. Now, I don't know if that person is sitting here. I don't know if on that seven degrees of relationship that we have, somewhere down that, you know someone who knows someone who might be that person. But that's how justice works. God calls people to serve him and to do what needs doing. And that's something that IJM is looking for at the moment. He works through relationships. 
That's what he does. He's looking for a relationship with someone who can help put this situation right. As Christians, we don't have a monopoly on justice. But we do have a unique calling. We do have a unique relationship with the God of justice, whose resources we can draw upon. Now, where will your journey lead to do justice? I can't begin to guess. As I say, perhaps someone you know or speak to will feel the call to go and help establish a land registry. Or maybe they will be able to serve in a different way, maybe here in England or anywhere. I hazard a guess, having been involved in justice ministries uh, for about 11 years, that my imagination is far too small to conceive of what you will achieve or someone you know will achieve as you build on relationships to do justice in Jesus' name. But before I finish, I would like to encourage you even more, as I know you have been, uh, to pray. Because the work is ongoing and there are always new things. And there is someone, in fact, particular who is new. Uh, his name is Chris Marshall and he is the field office director uh, in Gulu, uh, North Uganda. And so what he is doing, and I know what he's doing because I was a field office director for IJM in Bangalore, India in, uh, in 2009 and 10. And so his role is to mentor, to encourage, to train, and to build up the national staff. He'll be one of maybe two or three foreign nationals working in the office. Everyone else is Ugandan. And so he is there to help bring the best out of them and to help them do the justice that they're so passionate about. I know Andy has met Chris, um, and so do pray for him as he settles into his role. Please pray for this new casework. I'm delighted to be able to bring you that news hot off the press about what happened on Friday. Um, often it takes months and years to get a first conviction, to see the tide begin to move. So this is really exciting. Um, please keep praying for it. Pray for the staff. Pray that their passion their desire to do justice, their training, their expertise. There'll be lawyers, there'll be investigators, there are aftercare workers, administrative support workers. Please pray for them as they relentlessly seek justice. And please continue to participate, to play your part in what you're doing. Please, I know your church gives financially. If you feel you'd like to do that personally, that would be wonderful. I, I won't deny it. So please think about that. Um, Rebecca and Winnie and I will be at the back afterwards to answer any particular questions that you may have. But as I close, I want to finally and sincerely thank you for your support and prayer. I hope what I've brought you today, you will see, is good news. This is things changing. This is God doing justice through you as well as through the people with feet on the ground in Uganda. So thank you. Your relationship with IJM is something that we cherish and I hope you cherish it too. Thank you, um, and if you've still got your Mars bar, uh, enjoy it. Um, but thank you very much for listening. <laughs>